Psalm 23, if you want to turn your Bibles. We've been discussing this topic for some time under this category called the with God life. The with God life, that category. Now, you know, I, I think it's important uh, at times for us to want to say, well, that sounds good, Cliff. But, uh, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean uh, to be with the with God life? We're going to look at that. Um, it means on your handout there, <clears throat> we'll be looking at, we've already gone over these, is the with God life is am I relating to the shepherd in a personal way? Um, we've discussed this at some length, that, that the idea of this life is not just some abstract idea of religion, but am I relating, if you will, to the shepherd in a personal way? That's the with God life. It's not just about God or for God. It's the with God. So he is my shepherd. The second is, am I accepting pause <clears throat> as a part of that life? Where he says, he makes me lie down. He makes me <clears throat> that notion of pause. So it, the with God life uh, has this matter of uh, with God life has this pause where I am in rest with him. Third, <clears throat> the with God life is do I look to this shepherd for provision? And it says he leads me beside still waters. He uh, gives me green pastures. He restores my soul. All of those uh, passages there, all the way from two to five, uh, we ended with some of that. And today we're going to end with one more, uh, another one. And we'll, we'll work our way uh, through this here. I've got the, <clears throat> the things in front of me. Uh, but in that provision. But as I was thinking about that, what, what does this relationship look like? I had experience uh, the other day. Um, you know, I, tr I try to relate to students and, and be around them. And so the other day I was walking down the hall, um, and it's a long hall, and I see this couple, uh, a young man who looks really worried, and a girl who's talking. And... Uh, <clears throat> I think what's happening here is what we, I don't think they still call it that. They used to call it DTR. Remember what that was? Remember what DTR used to mean? Y'all are old. Huh? Define the relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> Got to go DTR here. When used to, you know, all the kids. Man, aren't we a bunch of old people here? <clears throat> yeah, all the kids <clears throat> would say this. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and I'm walking and I'm thinking, Oh, man, I've had that look on my face before a couple of times, and I knew what was happening, I think. So I'm walking along, <clears throat> walking along, and they're talking. She's doing a lot of talking. He, and again, he really looks worried. And I, I'm telling this is what I heard. As they're walking by, she says to him, she looked at, he looked very concerned, and he was listening, and she was talking. And as I passed, I heard this, but we can still be friends. <laughs> I almost stopped and just said, Bro, I feel it for you. <clears throat> but I didn't. I'm serious. It's just like this long haul. I, I think, oh, this is not good for this guy. This looks bad. And then when you hear, st we're, we're still going to be friends. Oh, man. Defining that relationship. Nobody wants that. <clears throat> you know? Nobody wants that. Bear Bryant's talked about, you know, a tie is like kissing your sister. You know, you, nobody wants to be friends. So, so, so this idea of the with God life, I mean, it's okay to say that. It's the with God life. It sounds religious. It sounds nice. But what does it mean? You know, what, what does it mean to live with God, to be with him? And so we looked at that. Now, today, what I want to finish up on here is this. Uh, I'm way ahead of myself this morning. Uh, this, we, we ended last time on there, and it's on your outline there, on an overflowing cup. Notice there in Psalm 23, 
we'll look at that here. I just want to finish up an idea that I had uh, that I wanted to kind of uh, unpack here. Um, where he says this last one, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And you've anointed, I'm in verse 5, you anointed my head with oil. Talked about that. And my cup overflows. And <clears throat> I suggested last week that this imagery here of this, of this, if you will, provision that God provides is that in the ancient world, when a guest uh, kept getting their cup filled and it kept overflowing, it meant a couple of things. One, it meant that they were at a very rich person's house that was very generous. They were literally overflowing the cup with much because they didn't have any scarcity. And that's one thing. Another <clears throat> principle in the ancient world, though, with this has to do with that when the cup get, kept getting overflowed, it means the host wants you to stay. There's a welcome here, this idea. So when the psalm, when David says here, hey, my cup is overflowing, it's it's the idea that I'm with someone, God, my shepherd, who is generous, who is wealthy, who has much more than is needed. And that this shepherd, this host, if you will, wants me to stay. And we talked about that some last week, about the idea that some of us at times feel like, well, you know, God kind of puts up with me, but does he really want me to stay? Is he really interested in my fellowship and in my life with him. And I think we all have to just come to grips with that uh, to some extent. But as I looked at that a little more, and I had these in my notes, I just feel like I need to give this to you. This idea of the generosity of the shepherd. Notice it says here, my cup overflows. Again, wanting me to stay, but also uh, the notion of generosity. I sometimes think that I've thought, and maybe you've had the same thought, that God's cheap. My dad would use the word. I, my dad has said several words that I do not know exactly what they mean, but I know not to get with them. My dad would say, now listen, don't be chintzy. I don't know what that means. It means cheap somehow, but, you know. But, but, but the idea of that sometimes we think that God is chintzy or cheap, or he's not generous. He's not overflowing uh, to us. And I, I don't know that everybody feels that way, but times... People feel that way or wonder about that. And so I, as my mind was working through this and thinking, my cup overflows that, that I have more than that. I thought there's, there's about three or four verses I want to give you to just remind you of how generous God is. How generous he is in his deal. Now, these are all in the New Testament. So if you want to turn to your table of contents, let's, um, let's begin. And we'll go forward here. Um, uh, go to Ephesians uh, chapter uh, three. Go to your table of contents. That's right. That's in the front of the Bible. I just want to look here. Eleven fourteen. That's where it is in my Bible. Ephesians. We'll take our time to get there. Eleven fourteen. Ephesians <clears throat> chapter three. Uh, long passage here, but I want to just draw your attention to this: that this with God life is a generous God, someone who is generous, if you will, almost. Um, um, I don't like to use this word, but almost waste fully generous, almost wastefully generous. When it says here in, in these words, and, and Paul is writing this great prayer in chapter 3, but here's the end of it that I want to bring. It's in 320. 320 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly and beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Notice that. Notice the generosity of God. What is he able to do? Exceedingly. Abundantly. Paul is stacking words up here. In New American Standard ESV, these words are exceedingly, abundantly, what? More than you can ask or even imagine or think. Think about this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can even ask or think. A guy in our chapel the other day made this statement. There are things that are not happening because nobody's asking. There are things that are happening just because people don't ask. And I thought, wow, I need to think about this for a minute. Are there things that I've, in my small thinking of God being chintzy or God being not generous to think, I don't even ask about that. I I don't know. I I, I just, as I'm thinking about this, my cup overflows. I want to think about this. I want to remember this, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. That's how generous he is. And notice it's by the power that works where? In us. Look at that. This is, this is not just some cosmic notion. God out there in the universe. He's in us. It's by the power. Dunamis is the, the word there. Dynamite. The, the dynamite. The power that's within us. Who's that? The power of the Holy Spirit. This generous God. And so I'm asking myself in this time in my life, and I'm asking myself, have I just kind of dialed it down too much? Because I don't think God's that generous. We were talking after class last week a little bit, a friend of mine, and uh, made the statement, This I think this gets even to the point when we, in, in, it's, at least it's been in the back of my head, in my mind, and I don't, I don't want you to live in my mind. It's a scary place. I, you know, <clears throat> Please don't go there. But I I know people that have sort of at least intimated that God is so chintzy and so non-generous that if you ask for something and you ask for it the wrong way, or if you say, now, Lord, if you can do that. Oh, well, yeah, see, you did it. You did it. Come on. I mean, God is generous. Our cup overflows. Now, watch this. So you're in Ephesians, right? Uh, Go backwards. I forgot. Go backwards a couple of books to Romans. You knew we'd get to Romans somehow, right? <clears throat> Romans 8. Romans 8. <clears throat> uh, Paul's working through the new life. And it's called new life in the spirit, Romans 8. And he says this in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? Now, now these things he's talking about, the universe is groaning <clears throat> and struggling. And we are too. He says, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. Anybody got an amen here? <laughs> yeah. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings and <clears throat> words that, that can't be made. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who then is against us? Watch this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, How will he not also with him freely give us a few things? Huh? All. Notice the word all there. He will give us all things. 
Now, this obviously has in the context of Scripture. You know, I, I, I saw an Alfa Romero the other day I was praying about. And uh, <clears throat> still ask, I've asked Jesus and Santa Claus. I'm covering all the bases. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not risking this one. Send a letter to Santa Claus asking Jesus. <clears throat> you know, anybody else to ask? I'll ask. I, I'm shallow. <clears throat> Obviously, all things here. God is not going to give you something that's harmful to you. God's not going to give you something that he knows you can't handle. God's not going to give something that creates problems in terms of your own life. Right? So we, we understand that, but, but the generosity of God. He's saying, look, if, if God would give his son, God would give his son. Why, why would you ever think, Cliff, that he wouldn't give you everything else you need? Why would that thought ever occur to you? Because I've got shame and I don't feel like I measure up and we just live that kind of life. Why wouldn't you think that he'd give you everything that you need? Instead of worrying about it, maybe more so of being thankful that, God, you will provide me what I need. You will be there for me. So, so he says all Things doesn't stop there. Doesn't stop there. Doesn't stop there. So he says, "You'll give us all things." Now go to uh, go to First Timothy. You can go to the right, or you can go to your table of contents. <laughs> In your table of contents for eleven thirty-five. <clears throat> again, this I'm just attempt. I want to say again, this with God life of this generous God, who keeps filling your cup up. First uh, Timothy chapter six. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> now, Paul is, uh, it's, it's interesting here as he works uh, some of this stuff out. Uh, and he is doing some final instructions. In verse 17 of chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. It's all of us. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty on riches but on God. But what's the rest of this? This is the generosity of God who supplies us with all things to enjoy. God doesn't want you to feel bad about what you got. He wants two things. One, don't fix your hope on it. See it there? Instruct those who are rich <clears throat> to do what? Don't fix their hope on the uncertainty of the things you got. But don't go around like a sad sack the rest of your life. Think, oh, well, you know, I'm just trusting God, you know. <laughs> Enjoy it for crying out loud. Right? There's a, there are two commands here. Don't fix your hope on it that you think this is going to take me for the rest of my life. Or that this is what I'm depending on. But enjoy it. Does that make sense? God is generous here. He's not saying, now, if you got a lot of stuff, you're in bad shape. By the way, if you have a lot of it, you want to give it, I'll take it. No. <laughs> Especially Alfa Romero. No. <laughs> I don't think about driving those. <clears throat> but the idea of a, of a generous God that says, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't put your hope on it. Don't think this is your ticket to a wonderful life. Fix your hope on God, but enjoy it. Enjoy. That's how, that's how uh, generous he is. 
And then one more, go to the right or go to the table of contents, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, one of the books that were written as toward the end of uh, uh, Peter's life. There's a, a first Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter. Ha <laughs> ha, didn't even look at my notes here, 1168. <clears throat> Second Peter, <clears throat> chapter one. <clears throat> this is one of my life verses. I know we all talk, we've got favorite verses, but this is this is one of my life verses here when it says this, this generosity of God, the overflowing cup. Verse three. I'm sorry, let's start at verse 2. Grace in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Just remember, where does grace and peace come from? The knowledge of whom? God. When we get to know Him, we can be assured that grace and peace will be multiplied. I, I pray this prayer every morning. And I'm an old guy, and it just comes from a line in a play that I've told you before. But I pray, part of my prayer life is three things I pray every day. It comes from the musical Godspell, that I would see you more clearly. I would then love you more dearly, which will enable me to follow you more nearly, day by day. Remember that song? <clears throat> now, y'all old enough to remember that. <clears throat> Right? <clears throat> Where does it start? That I would see you more clearly, which will enable me to love you more dearly and follow you more nearly day by day. What? Because grace and peace are multiplied in or by that, that preposition there in verse 2. In, by, through, in Greek, it, it, it means agency. This is how it happens. <clears throat> it's in or it's by or it's through <clears throat> The knowledge of God. Now watch what he says. <clears throat> Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I love, <clears throat> I love this. I mean, God is not just concerned about you being godly. He's not just concerned about you being a good guy or, or, or saint. He wants you to know he, what you need for life, he's got it. You know, I've, I've always been amazed that, you know, the scripture teaches us how to get along with other people. Friendships, relationships. The, the Bible tells us how to, how to, how to be, uh, have an influence in life, how to handle our money, what, what to do with our life. How, it, it, this is about life, not just going to heaven. But this is everything. Notice, I, I just notice it. He's granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Again, how? Through the true knowledge of Him. There it is again. Grace and peace are multiplied if you will, through a true knowledge of him. And everything that we need for life and holiness, our life and godliness has been granted through him. Everything. Notice that. Everything we need for life for godliness. First Timothy, everything that we can enjoy. God gave up his son that he would give us everything that we need. Ephesians 3, he can do exceeding above everything or anything we can ask. These are categorical statements of God's generosity. I got one more. I'll just read it to you. I've always thought this was uh, God's great generosity. It was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation that's occurred to you, but is common to man. God is faithful. Do you know what he's faithful as? He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. You ever read that? 
You know, my dad, when I was a kid, when we lived in Kilgore, Texas, at the dinner table, we had a box of scriptures. And this is one he made me memorize when I was nine years old, which I thought was pretty smart because I was getting into a lot of temptation by nine. <laughs> and I've said to my students, I can't imagine a, a youth pastor wouldn't make every young person in the youth group memorize this before they go to college. But there's no temptation that's occurred to you except what is common to man, common to everybody. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with the temptation, make a way of escape. You can bear up under it. That's pretty generous, isn't it? It's pretty generous for him to say, I am never. Now, I've had a couple conversations before. Hey, I think this is more than I can bear. <laughs> Have you? You know, I'm, I'm talking back. I said, ho, 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 wait a minute. Did you forget me over here or something? You know, are you busy in the Middle East or, you know, are you doing something else? I don't know, but man, this seems to violate it. But scripture says, this is how generous he will never allow me. So when I think of this, I, I just think of this generous God who's filling my cup up over and over again. I just, I just feel like I have to. So here's what I ask you to do. I don't have this on your outline. It's in my, some of my notes here or some of my stuff somewhere. I don't know. Could be in my head. Who knows? That's a scary place to be. Um, of those verses, would you take one and say, I'm going to write that verse down. I, I know Mr. Google and all these people that made us think we don't need to memorize Scripture anymore. You know, but what's going to happen when, you know, we have this EMP and everything is off someday, someday, somebody, you know, all the electricity be gone. What would you, how about memorizing one of those? Just one. And you know how you memorize. Don't, don't think you got to sit. My dad made us sit down at the table to, we could say it. You know, it was, that was child abuse. It really, really was. Yep. It would now, uh, you may sit down until we could say it, you know, uh, but the way you write it down on a card or put it in your phone or something like that and just look at it 15 times a day and read it. And after a couple of days, you're going to suddenly realize, I got this verse. So you don't have to sit down and make yourself do that. If you want to, you can. But, but sit down or, or put it in your phone or put it on a card and look at it 15 times a day when you're stopped at the stoplight, except when I'm behind you. Okay, <laughs> Man, what are people... Anyway, I stopped that. No. I just think, just drive. You don't like that color of green? We'll get another color of green here. I need help. I need, I need help. I need help. Becky keeps saying to me, you know they can't hear you, right? And I keep saying, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, take one of those verses and memorize it. You know, you could memorize all of them if you want to over a period of time. But maybe that will help us to think differently about God. That, that he is generous, that he has provided, that he's not chintzy on us. He's not cheap. He really is this extravagant God. All of us can at least some point on that. Okay, next. The, next, the last one is, uh, I had those on here. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, I'm just telling you, I've been grading so much lately, I am degrading myself. <laughs> 
Here's the last one. This verse. Am I believing the promise in the midst of life? Notice there again in Psalm 23. Am I believe? And you school teachers know what I'm talking about. It is like killing me. Uh, I'm bringing my grading dartboard out later this week. <laughs> Have to. Just B. You don't like that? Appeal it. <laughs> I can handle that. Verse 6, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house. Now, this is a promise. He went from provision to what he's providing. To David now moves to promise. Promise. Surely. Now, the New American Standards says surely. I want to work this out here just for a minute. Because David begins with this promise. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, the word here. I said, I want to consider something here. I've used this term with a degree of uncertainty, haven't you? I, I said that surely students will turn in the assignment since I've given them extended time, right? Yeah. Surely my neighbor won't blow my, his leaves into my yard, right? Surely Tom Herman knows how fast Kyler Murray is. Not so much. But surely, sometimes, surely is sometimes, surely sometimes is some sense of maybe not. Here, the term in Hebrew means certainty. Certainty. No question. It's a Hebrew word, av, and it means to be certain, to be clear. And David is stating a promise here. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. I mean, I can see him standing up here. Surely goodness and mercy. But this idea sometimes carries the notion of, ah, well, perhaps. We, we know this. He knows this. He declares it to be true. The word surely here is a lot like the Hebrew or the Greek term in, in the New Testament, amen or amen, truly. Same idea here, truly. Av in Hebrew, surely. Uh, and, and amen or amen in, in Hebrew means truly. Truly. As I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, David is making a statement about the promise here. He knows it. And I've said to you before, I, one of the things that I think that Christians, followers of Jesus, wherever you are, if you've if you're been a follower of Jesus for a while, or maybe you just started whatever, is this difficult, at least for me it is, maybe it isn't for you, this difficult challenge that has to be of both knowing and then believing. David, I think, knows about God's mercy and God's goodness and kindness. But you know what? Knowing that in my mind, sometimes I have difficulty with that promise in my daily life. Anybody with me? That, that, that I've, and I've said to Becky, we're talking about this, and I've said this a couple times to you before, but it just keeps working with me that I've spent a lot of my time knowing the Scripture and understanding it, if you will. But when it comes down to it, when I know what the Bible tells me about anxiety, I have to believe it when anxiety strikes. I have to believe it. I can say, surely, goodness and mercy, but wait a minute, you know that, but when anxiety strikes, are you going to take hold of it, Cliff? My dear friend, uh, Dr. Sutton, who teaches a theology, one of the smartest guys I know, we were talking about this in the lunch table the other day, and, and I just said to him, Wendell, um, I struggle with this, that, that I can spend so much time trying to know and accumulate and gather all this information that when the, the, the reality of life strikes, 
I've not spent much time thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to apply this in my life? Instead of saying, well, I know it, but am I going to? You know, Craig Rochelle wrote a book a few years ago called Christian Atheist. <laughs> Believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. <laughs> Wayne Bolamarker and I years ago were in a church in Linda uh, and, and Becky. We were all there, uh, mostly. Um, at a church where, where we had a, a pastor who would say stuff like that, would say, that a lot of us believe in God, but we act like he doesn't exist. You know, that, that we, we know this stuff, but, but when, it, when, when push comes to shove, it's hard to grab hold of. David is saying this, surely, without a doubt, goodness and mercy. Now, a lot of you have done this. I'm not, not getting down on it. I'm just trying to kind of elevate this tendency for people who are followers of Jesus to think comprehension of knowledge is it. If we comprehend the knowledge and get it, that's important. But then when the anxiety strikes or when the sickness hits or those kind of matters, that we, that stuff's got to take hold now. A friend of mine, we were talking one time, you know, as we get older, you know, we're, we're just praying and trusting God that we're going to trust you when these things start happening. You know, we're, we're, we're going to trust you. And and uh, we know we've been building our life on this stuff. We've been saying we know this. We believe it. We understand the words. Surely. Are you claiming that promise? Are you in one of those times right now in your life where you feel like things are kind of coming uncorked and un unglued? But you stand like David and you say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Notice in this relationship, before the shepherd's been leading, he leads me. In the paths of righteousness. He leads me beside. So what's he doing now? He's following me. He's following me. Notice this. I want you to look at this word goodness. Goodness. Surely what's going to follow me? Goodness. This word here is interesting. I, I was talking to somebody earlier. I never noticed this before. The word good, tov in Hebrew shows up all over the place. All over the place. Starts in the first two verses of, of Genesis. But the word goodness, the, this, this form of it, shows up 17 times in the entire Old Testament. That's it. 17. And I went and looked at all of them. So you go do the same. No. <laughs> Every time the word goodness is, is, is noted, goodness now, not good, goodness, is noted in the Old Testament... It is in reference to God's presence or given or his gifts. This is when he when David says goodness is following me. This is not abstract. This isn't like karma that's taking care of me. You know, this isn't like good things are happening to me, you know, because I've got good positive energy. He's saying this. God. Is the one the shepherd. Is who's following me. We abstract goodness. See, we think goodness is health or finances, or we think goodness is, is everything working out the way we want to. And David is saying, listen, this is that the goodness, which is God, is the one who's following me. Not some abstract idea. Not some generalized understanding. It is God. In fact, remember, whenever Moses said to God in uh, the Old Testament, in Exodus, somewhere. Yeah. Exodus 33 said, show me your glory. Remember? 
That kovod, that idea, show me your glory, your greatness. Uh, it, it means heavy. It means substantive. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. You know what God says to him? I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass by you. Go read it. Exodus, not right now. Exodus, <laughs> Exodus 33, 19. When he says, Lord, show me your glory. And he says, I'm going to have all of my goodness pass by you. God's glory is his goodness. There's nobody like the Lord. There's nobody as generous as the Lord. There's nobody as good as the Lord. There's nobody that is inherently at love like the Lord. David is saying, goodness is going to follow me. Yesterday, um, I got a text um, with this thing called Neighborhood. It's an app thing, and so we're all connected, which is sometimes not good. Anyway, I got, a, I, got an, I got an app, or I got a notice, urgent, so I looked at that. Becky's out walking the dog. I'm eating a donut, and uh, it's a typical Saturday morning at the Sanders house. And uh, it said, urgent, there were two dogs that were running loose that were dangerous. And uh, Becky's out, and I bought her a stick. She won't carry it. Somebody, if some of y'all would talk to her about this. <laughs> Don't whack. Um, uh, so I called her, and I said, where are you? She said, well, I'm over on this street. And I said, there are two dogs that are loose in our neighborhood that are posing some danger. I'm coming to come in there. So I get in the car and run around, and there's her and Buddy, and I get behind her, and I said, you just keep walking. <laughs> this is not a substitution. <laughs> this is still Cliff, okay? Because <laughs> she's got her coat on and everything. You know, I don't want her to have to get in the car and have to take it off. Anyway, so she's walking, and you know what I'm doing? I'm slowly driving behind her. Slowly driving behind her. Why? What, what do you mean? <laughs> I have my stick right there. I got a big mag flashlight too. I thought, you know what? This is the Lord. He's like behind us, watching us, caring for us. I wanted Becky to know, and I wanted Buddy to know. I was back there. You know, I got a big car. Run over those. No, no I wouldn't do that. Now there's a new alert in my neighborhood. <laughs> just, just luckily, it's not a van. <laughs> it's an old van slow driving through the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are bad. Okay, good night, everybody. <laughs> We're not finishing today. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fascinating idea here, though, that David is not being abstract about goodness. He's not being abstract about some force or karma. He's saying, God, the goodness that is related to God follows along behind me. I, I, I've often been interested in Isaiah 30. Write this down. Isaiah 30, verse 19 in Isaiah 30, uh, when uh, God is speaking through uh, uh, Isaiah to the people, uh, he says, when, you, when you're going, he says that you go read it later. He said, you'll hear the voice 
behind you. You ought to go read that. He says, when I, when I restore you to, to the land, when, I, when I, I've given you the bread of adversity and you've had the, the, the water of suffering, but when I bring you back to the land, you'll hear the voice, follow it. It's behind you. You know, that's an interesting idea. That we, that we have the assurance that God's mercy and grace and kindness follows us. One other thing real quick. It says mercy. The goodness, goodness and mercy will follow me. This is a... Another interesting term. There's a term in the, in the Bible for love. It's ahav. Uh, but this word, mercy, is the word of long-suffering or loving kindness. It's a Hebrew word, chesed. It's C-H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And it means this, covenant love. Covenant love. It's the love in sickness and in health. It's the love for richer and poor. It's, it's covenant kind of love. It isn't just your garden variety, run-of-the-mill love. Nothing wrong with that. But this is a specific term that David says, goodness and hesed is going to follow me. How long? All the days of my life. I want to end with this. I, 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 uh, uh, well, write down here what you would, is Lamentations 3.23. Your mercies are new. Your hesed is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. That God's mercy, God's covenant love. It's not, uh, it's not the kind of love that if you don't do something, he's upset. He'll just leave you. This is the kind of covenant love of sticking with the person. I, I thought of this, these lines from this song. You may have, may have heard this of Henry Martin who wrote this. He says, O love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths it flows, may richer, fuller be. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray, that in thy sunshine blaze its day, may brighter, fairer be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart. To thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. Those great words, oh love, that will not let me go. Is that the kind of God we serve, the kind of shepherd that we know? The kind of, the kind of one that, uh, 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 one of the new, newer songs that says, he wrestles with the sinner. He wrestles with the sinner. Our notions of chesed, of this long-suffering love, are too limited. That this God is too quick in our mind, where the Bible says he's long-suffering in loving kindness. This is what I ask you to do this week. Whatever goodness you think happens to you, would you get it out of the abstract and think of it in terms as the presence of God in your life. Get it out of the, oh, it's good to get a present, or it's good. This is an expression or extension of the good nature of God. Don't abstract it. Bring it personally. Second, on this idea of covenant love, mercy. Maybe repeat that line this week. Oh, love that will not let me go. That's the kind of love 
that we experience when we open our hearts to allow him in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're so much better than we've ever imagined. You're, you're so much more than we ever imagined. So would you help us in this day and time where so much is contractual and transactional in relationships and people to see that you're generous and that you're following us wherever we go. And may we live in the joy and the wonder that we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.